Napa know-how. This month, get a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil plus a Napa Platinum Oil Filter for $21.98. That's a pretty unbelievable deal. But trust us, it's totally real, but only for a limited time. So get Napa Full Synthetic and a Napa Platinum Oil Filter for $21.98 today. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 4 Hello and welcome to Fair Game, the podcast with a firm focus on Irish sportswomen. Coming to you on the Headstuff Podcast Network, I'm Shauna Cook. And I'm Emily Glenn. On this episode, we're going to be meeting one of the true talents of Irish sports. But before we do that, just a quick reminder of where you can find us. Check out headstuff.org for a full archive of episodes. And Fair Game is also available to subscribe to on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. If you enjoy the podcast, then do us a favour and rate and review it on your app of choice. Sharing the episode links on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram also really helps us to spread the word. So send it on to your friends, your family, your clubmates, anyone who think you might enjoy it. And follow us on Twitter too, at Fair Game Cast, to stay up to speed on everything happening on women's sports on and off the field. Joining us in the Fair Game hot seat today is a woman who you'll know as one of the Cork Ladies football panel's most ferocious forwards. At just 22 years old, into her sixth year on the Cork panel and has also picked up some serious silverware playing for our college in UL. This rising star of the Cork team has had quite the journey in your short career to date, having played in no less than five senior Ladies All-Ireland finals. Yeah. Uh, we are delighted to welcome Cork's own Emer Scally to the Fair Game Hot Seat. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, you're very welcome. Yeah, so Emer, take us back to growing up in Cork. What was your earliest memories playing football? Um, I suppose I started off with my club Aerog when I was about seven or eight and would have played the Skeen and Skulls uh, competition down at home in uh, primary school and I just loved it. Uh, being the youngest of four, I was thrown around the place out the front garden and it was... Uh, kind of shape up or ship out like when you're playing with older siblings and I, I was the type now that I would have went off crying like <laughs> if I wasn't getting my way but I suppose um, yeah I suppose that was my earliest memories just kind of playing outside the front and getting stuck into it then with Aero playing a bit of camogie and football and later into the years just sticking with the football. And you got called up to play for your county at quite a young age you were starting with Cork at just 17? Yeah, um, it was my first year into minor, so um, there was a couple of us called up from the minor team at, at that stage. Uh, so we were delighted, like just out of under 16 grade, you know, you didn't think it was going to happen, like you wouldn't think of it. And then sure, you, you get a call one day to ask to come in for a few trials and stuff. So it was, What's it was great. What's the call like? Um, I, can't, I can barely remember. I think it was Shane, Shane at the time, our selector had said it to a couple of us at a Cork dinner dance and he was like, come here. He's like, there'll be a few of you now coming in training next year or this year coming and sure I was delighted like you know it's in cloud nine like biggest dream going out to play with like you know Val Mulcahy, Breed Stack, Breach Corkery all these big names like sure that I was only like supporting at the homecoming a few months previous getting photos like absolutely scarlet then playing with them like later on. Do you remember the excitement of getting your hands on the red jersey for the first time? Uh, yeah I suppose I was lucky enough that um, we played underage Cork football the whole way up and um, kind of got a taste of that you know you're like at that age like you're you're very proud to be putting on the courtiers even at 13 and 14 years of age so I suppose I, I remember my first training session I went out uh, I trained out in the farm still do 
then the Carinas just pitches everywhere. Um, so um, we just went out and had a bit of a practice game. I just kind of went out and kind of gritted the teeth and just got on with it and just kind of focused myself to say that, look, it's any other training session with whoever. And I think, I think I remember my first session went pretty well. So I was like happy and I was like comfortable straight away. Um, my older sister Elaine was on the panel as well. So it's kind of nice going to training with her and, you know, familiar faces and stuff like that. So walking yeah. into the dressing room for you then wasn't intimidating or, you know, was especially with the likes of Val Mulcahy and other kind of players you mentioned there? Uh, yeah, I suppose you're going in and you're you're obviously going to be nervous. Like, um, so, do you know, what? They're, they were really welcoming at the start to anyone who came in. Sure, it's, it happens every year. A few girls come in and you just, you know, you want to be nice to them. And I'm sure like I'd be the same if anyone came in this year. You, you want to put the hand out and yeah. make sure they feel comfortable there. And the girls would have been the same at the time. So uh, no, once 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 you got into dressing room, throwing the boots, you you go out and play football, and sure, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. always the hardest part. I think finding your space in the dressing room. Once you go out on the pitch, you forget everything else. Oh, I know. Yeah, you don't want to be sitting in someone's seat. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, the squad that you joined back then were on a bit of a roll. They were enjoying some serious success, and you were part of that funnel, uh, that panel for three victorious cri- trips to HQ. Um, tell us about the first time you set foot on the hollow grounds of Crow Park. Uh, yeah, it was surreal, like just um, the whole experience and still like been lucky enough to be involved in a couple of All-Irelands and the whole day is such a buzz. Uh, you get your guard escort out, which is like really cool. Like, you know, you just feel so important. So um, getting that out was really cool. And then going out onto the pitch then um, when you run out the tunnel, like and run over for your photo, like you like once I come running out of that tunnel, like the few times I've done it, I feel like I'm running a million miles an hour, and you you just have this feeling like that you're just I don't know what it is, it's just fantastic and surreal. So you, you get out like but it's mad, like you can't hear a thing. I always say like it's mad going from like a quarter final or semi final with you know a couple of thousand people there to go to whatever it was this year, fifty thousand plus and just not being able to hear anything. It's really hard to get used to that, but like at the same time, everyone's in the same boat. So you can't really be complaining that it's a disadvantage, you know, when everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. yeah. So the first taste of victory, lifting the Brendan Martin Cup again and again must have been incredible. How formative was that time for your future football and aspirations? Um, I suppose I came into like a well-grounded team and like would hope to say that we still are. Um, but we came into faces that were there for a few years and they just kind of set an ethos in the group that like I feel like that would have stuck with me and a lot of girls through the year through the years um so just going into play with all these girls and you know you're playing you're playing with people who you're watching the whole way up I would have always got the train up to the All-Irelands to watch the girls play and then to go playing with them is something else so um I suppose like you just kind of take every game as it comes and like even though like I've been extremely lucky to be in a couple of All-Irelands you never take it for granted like I really wouldn't so um to be like three All-Irelands with, se- with seniors now at this stage like and I'd never ever take any of those for granted. And you're not shy of hard work when it comes to an All-Ireland final either you were brought on um in the latter stages of Cork's incredible 10 point comeback in the 2014 all-Ireland against Dublin. Uh, you were just 17 years old and you were freshly sprung from the bench to try and rescue Cork from a hammer in Croke Park. And you levelled the tie between the two sides um, within a couple of minutes. Mm. Like, what did that feel like? What gave you the confidence to go and just give it a shot? Um, I suppose I was coming on, like, I would always say I was very fortunate. It was my first year on the panel. I was 17. I knew I was very young and I 
got to be able to I was being brought on in games and I felt very fortunate that I got that you know there's a lot of girls who take a few years before they're you know featuring in championship games so um, that was really cool for me and I always went out with the mentality of saying it's just another game it's just another game and you know you work hard and do you know you're conscious that there's older girls there that were around for years and you're trying to work hard for them and you don't want to like make it look like you're trying to skip out so um you know if you're if you have to track back you do it end of like so um that day we came on like it was uh, I remember I kind of had been coming on in the second half maybe 10 or 15 minutes into each game so like and we were down and I was kind of like I was like oh look I've been going well in training and hopefully we'll come on and when I think myself Darren and Rona so Darren O'Sullivan and Rona and Ivukla were all called at the same time to warm up and uh about five minutes into the second half this happened and we were warming up along the sideline and then Lindsay Heath was stuck in another goal she was scoring goals that day for fun <laughs> and uh, I remember the second goal went in and we were like you know just kind of like this feeling inside you just drop like but like Rona just turned to us and was like come on now lads we have to make a difference when we come on like you know she's you could see this thing in her eye like you know she's like we're doing this now and whatever so Rona went on and stuck in a goal and uh, that was maybe 12 minutes or so to go and you could see a lift in everyone on the pitch and I think Darren O'Sullivan might have been on at this stage and I think I just came in then and I suppose for the first you know as I said like keep saying it was a surreal feeling so I was just trying to keep calm on the ball like not do anything too crazy you know um, pass off the first one pass off the second one ease myself into the game even though there was only a few minutes left you can't really do that but I was just trying to do that quickly and I remember Nolig Cleary that time I, I got to play with Nolig for a year like and I loved playing with Nolig I knew any time in training games that she wants to kick the ball in do you know first route football which is like I love la- I love that so she kicked in a long ball and I think Kira Sullivan got her hands on it and I kind of sneaked in the back <laughs> and got the ball over the top from Kira and I just I closed the eyes through the left leg at it and it went into the back of the net. I remember running out and turning back just to make sure the umpire put up the flag like it was like it definitely went into the net. But um, no, it was it was brilliant like but um, it was it was mad and then Flynn went on to score at that point but it was a feeling I'll never ever forget. Yeah, I remember everyone just couldn't... It was. It was weird, like some people were celebrating, but some people, I think there was a picture of Angela Walsh or Kira Sullivan, someone like that. A picture after the game with uh, one of the Dublin girls, poor Dublin girls down like on their hunkers, like just being disappointed. And Angela or Kira, whoever it was, just looks shocked and in disbelief as if they had lost the game. Do you know what I mean? Um, but they were just so astounded that we actually pulled it back. Like it was brilliant. Excellent. So Cork's management wanted to put you in with the half forwards, but you stood your ground and promised them. Weren't going to say that. (laughs) Well, you promised a goal uh, if you got to the full forward line. Looking back now, how did you know that you could produce the goods, or were you just kind of taking a chance? I had been coming on kind of corner forward most of the time. I think that 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 year, and I remember Shane Ronan. I think was like to me, he was like, "Oh, you're going in wing forward now, or whatever," and I was like. I like hopefully like hopefully said it in a way that was like naive and just like I was like oh Shane I was like put me in corner forward I was like I can grab you a goal and all the clearies out in the wing forward line you know be kicking them in but I was like I'd said at the time obviously short and sweet I was like put me in corner forward I think I can get you a goal so that was my that was my reasoning was because I knew Nolig was on and she'd be kicking the ball in 
time and time again. So um, I just thought I had a good relationship, but not like from training matches and stuff. And, you know, it's kind of like that was kind of my reasoning for why I said it. But that, yeah, that I got, yeah, I got a lot of people found out about that and I was like, that was not supposed to <laughs> come out. It takes anyway. some metal to like stand your ground like that. Your first yeah, trip I know. Probably a bit cheeky for me, but I was like, at least at least it worked out anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a better story for, yeah. for having actually yeah, worked yeah, yeah. Um, But fast forward to, we're, we're scooting through your career, but mm-hmm. we're going to fast forward to, to 2017, which was a really different year for, for Cork. Um, it was the initial defeat to Dublin after an unbroken winning streak lasting 11 years yeah um so yeah Mayo in the semi-final yeah and then Dublin to go on and win it um I was trying to think of my years there what year did we have (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but for a team so used to success kind of how did the initial kind of defeat feel and how did you cope with with the the yeah how did you cope with the fallout um I suppose I think that day we played up in Cavan or somewhere like that in the semi-final all Ireland semi-final against me also it was a long trip back <laughs> as you can imagine um, uh, it, was, it was it was just really disappointing there was a, like a couple of things that kind of like just went against us leading up to it that probably threw us a bit like there was kind of mess ups with fixtures some sort of way I can't remember and then we've obviously like the players like we were giving out to our to each other about how we had to go up to Cavan to play the game and you know things like that but sure look you know, that happens too. Um, but I think Darren O'Sullivan had got a bit of a knock on the head that two days beforehand or something like that at training and we were worried if she was going to play and she was a little bit out of sorts and I rolled my ankle in the warm-up and there was just little things that were just kind of throwing us, you know. But like at the same time, you know, Mayo were unbelievable that day, you know. And I would always say anytime I talk about it, I'd never take it from them. Like mm. they outplayed us that day in fairness them and it was just so disappointing I suppose it was my my first championship game that like was like properly knocked out of with the Cork seniors like and that was 2017 when I come back started in 2014 so uh it was, it was it was just really disappointing and I suppose my dad would always say you have to hold on to the games you lose to drive you on for the next year and that's I kept saying to myself and kept saying look it's just a game you are disappointed about it, but like, you know, at the end of the day, it's a hobby. Like, um, you it's le- thing you, you learn love. more from those you games. You do. You, you, you kind of need to lose a game here and there, um, unfortunately, to really like savour the importance of where winning. Did, where did you watch the All Ireland final that year, or did you watch it? Oh, I went to it with um, my friend Anna Galvin. She's from Kerry. Um, but uh, we we kind of decided we'd go up to it for what reasons, I don't know. But we got. Great tickets in the Hogan stand, thank God. <laughs> but went and sat up there anyway, and we were watching it. And sure, you don't know who you don't want to shout for anyone, mm. like you know. Um, but delighted to see two great sporting teams mm. being in the final. And you know, you know, Dublin were very unlucky the last couple of years, and to see them win and see how much it meant to them was, you know, in a way it was it was great for them, you know, and great to see that. But I remember the last. You know, Dublin were going to win it at this stage with a couple, with like a couple mm-hmm. of minutes to go, and um, myself and Anna were just sitting in the stand, and I think with about a minute to go, I was like, I can't listen to that final hooter, and she was like, same. She was like, about to say, can we leave? <laughs> I was like, yeah, grand. So we got up and left, but uh, yeah, it was it was tough, but it was tough it was nice to be there too, all the same, you know. Gives you the hunger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it was I think it was nice to be up there and be distracted by meeting people. Mm-hmm going out for a couple of drinks after and that and you know being like right I'm coming back here next year 
was back there the following no year. Drinks. Unfortunately, lost. <laughs> Unfortunately, lost. But anyway, what was what was it like the the following year when you did? I'm sorry, we're going on a bit of a, a downer here, but we yeah. promise we'll bring it back up. Um, <laughs> trying to make me cry. Here. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, but the the following year to Dublin, like it was a different game altogether. Mm. Like, do you think you just hadn't fully recovered from the year before, or was it? Um, I don't know, like, I suppose Dub- Dublin had, like, they had a great, strong team out. We we did too, but I, um, I think the year before just stood to them, um, that, that bit, and we, we did everything we could have, and I just think they just kind of just about played us in the day, you know? I wouldn't say that our preparation up to the game was as best as it could have been, and all this, um, but yeah, it was it was weird. It was it was weird feeling for the last like maybe two minutes and you knew you weren't gonna win. And you're still trying, but like, you know, when you see the clock going down and counting down and you're like, you know, mm. crap. Yeah. <laughs> um it's just like just a drop. But then again, like it was disappointed for a couple of days and all that, but like you just you have to get on with it. It's football at the end of the mm. day, you know. So now with two thousand and nineteen in full swing, Dublin will have their eyes on three in a row. Is yeah. there much between Dublin and the Chase and Pack in the race for this year? Uh, I don't think so. Like you, I uh, know it's it's only February and the league is league and champion is championship. Yeah. But like you know, we played Galway a couple of weeks ago and they, you know, they were brilliant. They were fantastic. Played a lovely brand of football and you see the Galway game or the Donegal and Dublin game. I watched that that evening and Donegal were great. Like mm-hmm. you know the lovely random football you know kicking the ball in getting it in quick quick and fast um so there's a lot of a lot of teams like that are just it's just there thereabouts but sure for years like when like when Cork were winning all Ireland's it was always by a point do you know mm-hmm. um nothing between a lot of teams at the top do you know mm-hmm. like it you know there, there'll be a couple of shocks in championship and the league this year like no doubt about it yeah. there's a lot of um there's a lot of change uh in amongst intercounty teams at the minute a lot of kind of more senior players retiring um, and a lot of kind of newer um, approaches to football so like teams working with sports nutritionists mm-hmm. and obviously sports psychologists and stuff coming in um, in terms of Cork's preparation for the league and the championship um, give us some insights are you guys doing anything different than um, we had in previous years or? I suppose we have a nutritionist in this year um, other than that it isn't too different there's a lot of us now on the Cork panel that are playing college football so in college football, like the championship is starting, has started. Now our own UL team aren't playing till next Wednesday against UCC. So that'll be a nice, nice game, <laughs> nice battle there between us and all the Cork girls. But um, <laughs> there's a lot of training and matches at the moment. It's like, it's really tiring. Do you know, you're out five, six times a week. Um, and it's just, it's mentally draining like a lot of the time. But I suppose girls just kind of need to step up. And if they need a session off here and there, you know, like, management on both sets would always be great just to be like look I trust you if you need to take mm-hmm. the night off then so be it mm-hmm. but you're just trying to keep yourself fresh like you just it's it's annoying plodding along and going 60-70% in training and having niggles and stuff and you just need to take a day off here and there but it's 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 just a lot of football now at the moment so um, I'm really looking forward to championship with the college uh, next week so but like once it kind of dies down a little bit it would be great too but like once the college football finishes, I'll be wanting it back straight away again. Mm. You know, I love the college championship. I love college football. So we started back there, say two weeks after we lost All Ireland, like, and I was gunning to go again, like, you know. Um, 
but yeah. And you play you play with UL in the gourmet food parlor of Connor Cup, mm. um, and in 2018, Jesus, I am the bearer of really negative <laughs> questions. Uh, in 2018, your yeah. winning streak in varsity football was rudely interrupted by DCU. Very rudely. Uh, yeah. You'd been instrumental in UL successful campaigns, and it saw your your performance, in particular, saw the college crown victors three times in just four seasons. Uh, were DCU just the better team on the day, or uh, uh, DCU on? on the last? The final, uh, yeah, I, I think so. Like it was, it was tough going there now for the semi final and final for both teams. But they, you know, in fairness, we knew they were going to have a very good team. Like it was a star studded team, but like, um, we knew we had our work cut out for us as well as them for us. But um, oh, it's disappointing. Like you know, um, I suppose when you don't get too much of a break off between going from intercounty football straight into college football, you might have a couple of weeks off at Christmas. And then back into it straight away because it starts up pretty quick. But oh, it's so disappointing to lose them last year. I was so upset. But uh, did go to Bangkok on that All Star trip a few days later, so kind of helped distract <laughs> helped, you at least. helped a little bit. But uh, no, I'm so gone in for it now this year. I'm really looking forward to it. You've said that the standard of play between college football and intercounty football is similarly high. Mm. What is the training setup like at UL? Um, I suppose it's we as I said, it was back. Um, the end of September we were back in doing maybe gym once a week and a pitch session but it was it was a lot of like we have DJ Collins as manager and Niall O'Mara in there and they're they're great like you know in fairness and they know what the players are doing and you know they knew that like people were playing up till September like even with clubs and that so training where it was fresh and it was fun like you know Mm -hmm. and you know you obviously do your hard bit of running and training and stuff but like that came a bit later you know but um you know, just just you're out every day, like just getting used to playing with girls because you're playing with girls from different counties and that. Yeah. So it's been it's been the two kind of sessions a week now until until we're finished again. But um, it's nothing again, like because so many girls are playing intercounty, you're playing all the time. So it's 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 fine. Like it's just about getting used to playing with everyone and getting a system set up for yourselves. You know, yeah. And you you all have been drawn uh, in Group B with the 2018 victories uh, yeah. DCU. So you are gunning for that match. Is it a redemption match? Um, I suppose I'm kind of looking forward to the UCC game at the moment. That's our first one. Uh, it's a it's a tough old group, like the three of us and two going through. Uh, UCC have won, so like we really need to like like nail it down now on on Wednesday and and win that game. And I haven't really been looking forward too much to the, the UCU one. You kind of have to take each game as it comes. So um, hopefully now we can we can like win that game now next Wednesday and like it'll just be make us feel a bit more comfortable going into the DCU game. But sure, you're gunning for every game. Like do you know when championship comes around, it's just like there's nothing better. Like when you you have that feeling that you know it's championship football. You put on the jersey and you're going out. You're trying to get everyone buzzed and you know that's ah, great feeling. So I'm really looking forward to it. So Emer, at 22, you're still only a young one. A young one, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to believe that someone so young has had a career as expansive as yours. As more senior members of the Cork squad have stood down, like the likes of Rena Buckley, Valerie Mulcahy, you took on a leadership role within the team earlier on. What has that been like? Um, I suppose I've been kind of... I was only talking to one of the girls about it there the other day. I was laughing that I'm only... I'm tw- 22 and like I'm deemed one of the more like senior players now on the team. Um, but I think this year I'm really like kind of like trying to say to the girls like that everyone has to be a leader. And I think like that's something I try to drill into any team I'm playing with, mm-hmm. whether it's club, college or county. 
that everyone that's playing are good enough to play and that everyone has to be a leader, everyone has to be talking. It can't be two, three players. Everyone has to talk. Everyone has to drive each other on, encouragement and all that. So I think that's, I'm just playing the same football as I normally mm. am and hoping to progress that a bit more. But like, I think I'm just trying to up the talking a bit more and getting mm. everyone used to, you know, being being a leader. I think there was a lot of talk with the county being that, you know, we're a young team and we're in transition, yeah. but you have to throw that out the window as well and just get on with it. Everyone's well able to play football, you know, so. At 22, you're still developing. You yeah. Know, you haven't reached your peak yet. So, you know, you've got to balance that kind of leadership and focus on your own development as well. And how, how do you find that? Um, It's okay. Um, I suppose I always would have... No, like I'm probably the most immature person going, but like once <laughs> once I step on the pitch, I'd like to think I have some bit of maturity about myself. So I I try to speak up when when needs be and keep my mouth shut mm-hmm. when it has to be shut. And um, I know I'm 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 kind of coping with it okay. Like you know, like I don't I don't really think of myself being 22 and having to mm-hmm. be you know one of the quiet ones or one of the loud ones. I'm just yeah. kind of going about my day. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Taking it all in your stride. Taking that, that's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it hasn't been smooth sailing for you, uh, Emer, and you, you did mention it there a minute ago, uh, you got hit with an awful dose of glandular fever that had you sidelined for much of 2015. Um, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I was just annoying um, more so because I, I, knew, I knew I had it. Um, cause my throat was just like, it wasn't tonsillitis, like it wasn't a sore throat, like it was like a bullet like it was so hard and just so swollen but um and like my sister Elaine had had, be- had it before so I kind of knew the symptoms and all that but I think I got it the end of November um and so I was in UCC for a short time and I kind of I was I didn't play that much football then with them as a result but um I kind of went back playing mid-March for a bit and then I had to come out of football again maybe a month and a half two months later and I went back playing in maybe July um, and then I wasn't too bad I was still a bit sick but I got I was like feeling much better and it eventually went but the most annoying thing about it was I didn't have a time frame do you know with an injury you can be like look I'm out for five months six months whatever it is but with this it was kind of a case of do you know and sure people were obviously asking for my well-being they were like how are you feeling and how long do you think but like I was like I don't know like and that was probably the most annoying thing going to training and not being able to tell my management of aiming and that at the time being like look I'll probably be out for you know four weeks it's it was like it's a case of when I'm feeling better more regularly like you know um I was able to do things like I was able to work away and you know see people and stuff and whatnot but it was a case of playing football I'd be okay for five or ten minutes I'd have a burst of energy and then I would just be down in the dumps like and just would be on the couch for the day so those kind of illnesses rather than like I mean there's one thing about like you know if you tear a hamstring or if mm. you do something to an Achilles but the kind of illnesses that uh, where the main symptom is tiredness mm. like you're it, it's so hard to it must be so hard to like you know explain that to people yeah. like you know you can't see this necessarily but the effect of me doing this like 20 minute session is that I'm going to be wrecked for three days like mm. completely know? yeah no I just felt I felt so bad because like um I was just like in with the seniors and I, I just wanted, I wanted to play and I really, that year I really, I was coming out of minor football and I wanted to drive on and try and nail down a starting position and I was just, um, or, oh sorry, it was at Efi the time I got calendar fever actually, not even, but um, um, I just, just didn't feel well and I hated saying it to the girls that I was like, look, I think it was after the league final we beat Mayo 
and I just sat to text into the girls just to let them know my story and I was like look girls I'm really sorry I'm just like I'm really not feeling well and it's a case of me doing a session here and there and I was like I'm just going to have to take the time out to get right so I was like it's not fair for me coming in for a session once a week either and then maybe being able to play a game mm. or maybe being able to play 15 minutes it just wasn't fair so um, it was hard for me too like sure do you know I, I, knew not, I knew nothing but football and I just wanted to play football and it was just like it was a bit of a downer going to training just standing there on the sideline um, but look I got over that at the end of the day thank God yeah I think being an athlete and performing at such a high level like I always say that like the biggest battle is with yourself mm. you know like especially you know I, I battled concussion for an awful long time yeah. and it's kind of like you, you don't want to like give in to yourself like you, you're kind of saying I can beat this I can yeah. beat it if I just keep going you know and I think it's hard as well when, when you feel like maybe because it's not like for me, I, I always would kind of say like, I, I wish I had a broken leg mm. because it would be easier to explain to people, Completely. you know? Yeah. yeah, I suppose I was, I had um, dropped out of UCC and I was a bit all over the place with what I wanted to do. Mm. And I was like, I was kind of down about that and one or two other things. And then to have like just the sickness kind of on top of it, just kind of tiredness making you feel a bit more like down. And uh, it was just, it was a couple of months now that I, I don't miss like, do yeah. you know? Um, but like as you said, it's the battle with yourself, and I was probably being more hard on myself when people probably didn't mind that. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, like it's annoying being sick, and they were probably like, "Look, she's sick. That's it." But in my own head, I could have been like, "Oh, they're probably giving out about me, mm-hmm. mad now." And you know, it's just it gets it gets it gets yourself down. But you just, as you said, you just kind of have to. Especially when you have it. like the the double whammy of like then going back a bit too early, yeah, and having to take another like <laughs> yeah. and to reaffirm that like that's. That's an absolute kicker. Yeah. Um. But has it had any impact on kind of how you take care of yourself now? Subsequently, do you take like better care of yourself? Or are you, um, more focused on recovery and and rehabbing stuff? Oh, completely. Yeah. I think rehab and mobility and all that is like become such an important thing for people. Um, like you kind of really have to like take it on as a lifestyle choice now at this stage. Um, f- up to a couple of years ago, it was kind of you went to training a couple of times a week and that was it. Uh, no gym like gym wasn't a thing like and then in the space of like the last three years now gym is compulsory you do it once twice a week um you're on about your nutrition your you know all these fitness tests that you have to do body fats all that like it's just like such a thing now and um it's a it's a bit mad but like then you kind of get used to it like then you're like look you have to make sacrifices if you want to play at the top level and you don't mind it then eventually and like I I would like to think that I do take care of myself and like you know when the football's on like it's it's off the booze and on the ball like you know so um, as best you can but it's taking care of yourself eating the right foods and luckily enough like we have a nutritionist in this year so like I mean you know if you want to get a, a chat with her and give her a food plan of like or a food diary of what you've been eating you know, and she'll tailor it for you, which is great that you don't have to go about doing it yourself, you know. So it's it's great that way. It's definitely looked at a bit more professional now. So you kind of like the lads are looking after as well. Nice. So you live in Limerick, train with UL and Cork and your club, Aerog. So talk us through a normal week, you know, for you. Um, I suppose it's, it's sun, Sunday, you're playing maybe a match or Cork training in the morning. UL training on a Monday night you're trying to get a gym session in on a Tuesday Wednesday 
court training, if not a championship game with the college now. Thursday would be normally college training, Friday gym with Cork, and then Saturday is day of rest. <laughs> kind of. Catch up on studies. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, it's studies. Yeah, I need to do some of that. But um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, as I said earlier, it's mentally draining. Like, as I said, like I love college football and I love Cork, Cork football. I love it all, but it does get tiring. And, you know, the college or the you're trying to get up to club then yeah we're training on a Sunday morning before Cork now so that me being an idiot had suggested a quarter to nine start so that the county players could go and show the face and you know which is which is grand but I was like why did I say that it's so early in the morning (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was just like eight o'clock like I was like well it's not that bad but you know when it's like when you're getting up early every morning you're like you know 10 o'clock start for Cork is grand because you're like I can get up there at 9 or whatever but um, yeah no it's great it's great that like we said that now with the club this year because um, there's I think four of us on the panel so like it's a big chunk of girls gone from mm-hmm. club training if um, you know and it's it's camaraderie and driving each other on and just the last couple of weeks us being there before we head off to Cork training I think has been a massive lift so like sure look um uh, club football is where you start and where you end so like you mm-hmm. want you, you don't want to have a bad relationship with the girls there too and they're your best friends like mm-hmm. they're your they're from home so like you want to try try do your best like but it but it is tough like you know I think the biggest thing I found like for Christmas was when we finished with UL around the 12th of December I was just really looking forward to just not having to be somewhere at a specific time for a few weeks I was like no problem I'll go off and do my gym and you know go do a bit of running to keep in shape for when we do go back in January but it was just not having to be with a team for a few weeks was like I need I needed it you know headspace yeah I love my <laughs> friends but like you know just not having to be somewhere at a specific time was just like lush there for a few weeks <laughs> so you've been vocal in your support um, of player welfare above all else most notably in the support of the interested jewel stars who often <clears throat> have been in the unenviable position of putting one code above the other because of scheduling conflicts. Do you see that ever changing? Uh, yeah, I was even talking to, um, was it Marie Hickey there? A few, was it the time the All-Stars and I had said it to her. Um, I was like, and like we all were in the court team were so appreciative that the LGFA changed the fixture so that the girls could play. Because like saying like it was there, it was, it was the semi-final of the All-Ireland like it was the biggest game for them so far that year like do you know what you know we should be yeah. commending dual players like do you know it's I, we were always discussing how they do it like you know it's mad so if it was a case of not having Libby or Hannah at the time like it just would have been so upsetting and they should be able to play and there's just yeah. been so talk, so much talk about it for the last few years that do you know it, it won't be a problem again and then it happens and it's just that's that's the annoying thing but the LGFA stand up all the time like and they they do they do put like the players first in fairness Mm -hmm. and like there might be a bit of controversy and there might be times where you're like oh it's not going to happen there's going to be a clash but in fairness like the LGFA always pull through and the that organization and the people working in there like you know they're I I know a lot of them and you'd always have a chat with them because they're just so nice like you know and they would really you know go out of their way you know they want to see the best players playing for their counties so yeah yeah. we were just talking about it before you came in Um, what like for a dual player what kind of like um, what's their workload like in terms of if they the gap between games their training you know how how much of that do they have the balance in terms of going between sports and 
in games. Yeah, I was just complaining there about all the football I have between college and county. And yet, then again, like Libby and Hannah and Kira Mack, who came in this year as well with us for seniors, like they're playing Ashburn, or they just finished Ashburn, and they're playing like so that's, that's Camogie with college, county, bit of club, and then the same on the other side for football. Like, I don't know how they do it. Like, they're literally everywhere every single day they might be somewhere with the camogies for 45 minutes and then come over to football and wow. I, that would drive me insane like so like fair use to them like to have like strong head to be able to do that yeah they're just and they're always they're always smiling always in great moods like they're never like they never come like with a thorn in the backside like they're just always happy to be there like um so like it's a case of managing them big time like mm-hmm. you know um Kevin Tatton who's our SNC guy back at home in Cork like he's great that way he you know, we send in our, our calendars about what we have and he would like, right, you know, Hannah, you know, you've had this much this week. You're not doing a session. Maybe just be here for the first half an hour. And like, that's what you want. Like, you don't want girls going out and burning out and no. having, what's the point of having Hannah, Hannah and Libby playing with us at 50%? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Well, there's no point of it, like, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll only get sick of it at a, at a stage. So you might as well just try and manage them as best you can. I always think when we started for a game, we always thought we were... Uh, we thought we were really busy and then you try and schedule in female athletes and you're like oh god we didn't know what we were talking about at yeah, all yeah I was hell <laughs> you were not at all you were no, in park. Um, but look Emer, finally um, looking forward to, to 2019 it's been announced that the Cork ladies will play a series of double headers with the men's team initially that meant that the ladies would play uh their first games in Parky Cueve. Now, for a team who has 11 All Ireland medals, uh, that you're playing your first game in Parky Cueve is astounding. It's but crazy. you that's now been relocated to Parkney Rin because uh, of the renovation works in Parky Cueve. But you're playing double headers. There's going to be a huge amount of pressure to put on a good show. Like, that's next Saturday. Mm. Um, this podcast is going to go out a week afterwards. So I suppose for, for people kind of listening back, it's we're talking about it as next Saturday. Um but what's that going to be like for you? Are you looking forward to it? Is there pressure? Like, uh, no. Um, obviously, like you know, people have been saying it during the week when it came out that we weren't going to be playing in Park Cueve. They were like, "You must be so disappointed!" And like, as if it was the end of the world. But we we're like, "No, it's fine." Like you know, and you know, these things happen. Obviously, it's it's awful. Like what's happening with the pitch at the moment, and you know, such a nuisance for the Cork County Board. But like, Parky Ring is great to be playing in there. Like, like it's a it's a um, smaller stadium so like it'll be a bit of a better atmosphere but like the Cork County Board on like the men's side have been very good to us like letting us lo- use Parky Cueve last year for training like we were still training the way there we mightn't have been playing matches in front of crowds but we got to train there and use the facilities which has been great and Tracy's been very good to us so we're happy out playing in Parky Ring all the same do you know sure we'll we we'll get to play in Parky Cueve another time, you know. Yeah. But um, getting to play like with the lads is great, and like look, it brings on the profile of sport so much. And it's, I still get a laugh like off an old lad from the pub. Like it'd be like, I watched your game there now last week, and Jesus, it's, it is almost as entertaining as the lads and all this. And you'd be hearing this and be like, sure, look, come out to the game. So like you know, so hopefully we can get a crowd in from the lads like to come and watch the game because I I do think it's. I do think it's a it's a good good enough spectacle to watch. Like you know, the ladies' games are are pretty free flowing and good style of football. And you know, if everyone's fit, like and everyone's competing. So like, I I do think like if people come in, they'll they'll enjoy it. Like and hopefully now a bit of a car crowd will come in, and you know the same for Tip. You know. Emer, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us in the fair game hot seat. Thank you. 
big thanks big thanks to Emer for taking time out of our busy week to join us in Fair Game HQ you can follow Emer on Twitter at EmerScally15 and while you're on Twitter follow us too we're at Fair Game Cast there's so much live action involving women's sports teams to look forward to in the coming months that's where we'll provide you with all the necessary info to keep you in the loop and hopefully get you out onto the sidelines finally a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening to us on be it iTunes Android Stitcher or Spotify that way you'll get the next one delivered directly to you that's all for this episode and we'll chat to you again in two weeks time This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 